Hello, and welcome to the Spiraling Higher podcast hosted by me, Sam, Mindset and Manifestation Coach. And me, Gina, your Biz and Mindset Coach. We're here to support you on your spiritual journey by bringing you intimate and raw conversations about healing, manifestation, consciousness, and spirituality. We hope this podcast makes you feel less alone as you become aware of your patterns and limiting beliefs to uplevel your life, manifest like a boss, and together, spiral higher. Welcome back to the Spiraling Higher podcast. I am here with Sam and I am your other co-host, Gina. Um, It is actually Canadian Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving to you, Sam. Thanksgiving. Um, (laughs) Thank you. And uh, you guys might hear my voice is a little bit, I don't know, does it sound weird? Do I sound weird? No, it sounds completely fine. Oh, surprising. Well, I have COVID. And (laughs) so my family and I have been recovering over the past week. It's been an interesting week. Um, But we are just um, sitting here recounting our conversation with our guest that you're going to be hearing from. Her name is Winifred, and she is my medical medium. Um, I actually came across her through Natasha Slayton, who was our guest on episode five. And my work with Winifred has been incredible. I've been working with her for the past couple of months. And you're going to hear in the episode, um, I do have a breakdown moment where I start to cry Um, just because Mm. I've moved through so many things with Winifred on a physical level, but really on an internal soul, emotional level as well. I've released so many things. And so you guys are going to hear a lot of this conversation. And I think you're going to feel something because Sam and I, after we finished recording, we felt different, right? Yeah. Well, so yeah, Winifred is a force to be reckoned with. So she is a medical intuitive and um, you'll hear in the conversation about how since she was a child, she would just walk up to people and like touch different parts of their body and just know that there was something wrong there and she'd Mm -hmm. be able to like sense blocked energies. And um, we'll give you a little bit more information about her and her background in in a minute. But yeah, there was, the conversation took like, I don't know, there was a moment where she noticed that we needed some grounding, like energetic grounding. So we started off for about 30 minutes talking about her story and her past and how she recognized these gifts and how she nurtured them. And then actually, I want to say about 30 minutes in, she took us through like a very short meditation. So when you get to that part, if you're driving or doing something that requires your attention, I would either pause or come back to it or skip that and and, um, return. But Mm Yeah, we did this meditation and I was kind of not expecting it. We were just kind of, we were just kind of flowing. And then all of a sudden yeah. she was like, can we just like ground here for a minute? And, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess we're doing this. And um, it was so strange. It felt like the consciousness that was kind of resting in my mind sort of melted back down into my heart and into my body. And I think that that's what a lot of us are looking for is to kind of get out of the mind and move more into the body. And so that happened. Mm-hmm. And then both of us, you'll hear our energies were very different afterwards. We just sounded so much more calm and more peaceful. And I was a bit more receptive to a lot of the things that she was saying. But this conversation is definitely filled with a lot of esoteric wisdom. And we really just invite you to have a super open mind because these are the types of practices that I think more and more as we progress into the age of Aquarius are going to become more and more common. But, you know, for someone to be having had practiced this for as long as she has, it's, she's come up against a lot of naysayers, I guess. Right. Yeah. 
but also at the same time, a lot of people who really believe in it and who have shifted from literally between life and death. And so she is incredibly powerful. And I definitely felt very much like this was the type of conversation, to be honest, where at the end of it, I was like, I know nothing. Totally. That's how I just felt really, honestly, like a bit dumbfounded after it was all over. Like I remember we thanked her after the call and you guys will hear just how many pieces of wisdom she has and the language that she uses and just stick with it if you feel confused because I think it needs maybe another listen. I think I need to listen to it again because yeah. yeah. And I think I think try as weird as this might sound to not listen with your mind and really try to listen from your heart, mm. from your spirit, because I think that's really Winifred's work. Because whenever I go to her and I'll ask her like all these questions or, you know, I try to make sense of things and she'll just say one sentence that's so simple, but it just hits you. And so after Sam and I got off of recording, we actually asked each other, like, I wonder if people are going to feel what we felt, um, you know, just through this, this episode. So we do invite you to yeah, just, just be open-minded, be open to feeling and seeing what shifts within you as you hear her talking. Um, But I totally relate with what you're saying because after every session with her, I'm like, wow, (laughs) I've been wrong about everything that I thought. Yeah. But it's in a very loving way. It's kind of like, oh, she almost just brings you right back to the basics. Yes. And strips things down and strips away all of these clever words or these things that we attach to or things that we think we know. And she really just strips it down to – yeah, I guess the basics and the foundation, which is really just bringing you back to love and bringing us back to spirit. And yeah, yeah. and I'll, I'll be honest, I was really struggling after this call because I was like, oh my God, like I can't feel the love. Because mm. she essentially was saying, we just need to open ourselves up to more love, acquire more love, you know, stop trying to release things, just welcome in more light, welcome in more love. And I was like, but it's not coming in. I was like, how do I feel it? And so over the past week or so, I've just been having to remain as open as possible and just little pockets. It'll, I'll feel it kind of flowing in and then I won't again and then I will and just leaning into a lot of trust. But um, yeah, this week has been a lot of meditating and just there were so many things that came through on that call that I'm still trying to wrap my mind around. And so we just wanted you to know that if after listening to this episode, you're more confused <laughs> than when you started, I think that that is to be expected because that was us. I yeah. felt like there were so many questions I had for her. Obviously, she's been working with you one-on-one with a lot of your physical issues, which we now know have energetic roots. Yes. But after that call, I felt almost like I had more questions than answers. And mm. I don't think that's a bad thing. I no. think that we're always looking for an answer. We're always looking for the right thing. We're always looking to know the next, you know, I don't know, best insight, like what's going to help me. And I've been having to really learn how to just live in between answers and just live in question. And it's been a bit uncomfortable, but I think that's actually the lesson I was supposed to learn from this, which is that, yeah, like you don't know everything and that's okay. And also you're not supposed to know everything. And I think that's really what she has helped me with. And this constant reminder I keep getting every time I work with her is taking the the intellectualizing part out of this work and stop trying to figure it out and trying to yeah create like a a formula of like okay like why is this happening or how do I stop this from happening and she just like I said kind of pulls the curtains back and I feel like has helped me to really see things from a completely different perspective that's really above the intellectual understanding of it 
Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to put things into words. Um, there's actually a point that I want to point out right now um, throughout that meditation where she does this to me all the time in my sessions, but I was so happy it happened to Sam because I wanted you to experience it too, where she could tell you were not letting go. Oh my gosh. Yes. Remember? Was a, I was not <laughs> letting go. I was in this meditation and then she was like, Sam, let go. And I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> she saw it. She felt it. And I remember thinking in my mind, like, how did she know? How did and she then I, know? I felt all this tension like around my cheeks. And then she said, rest your cheeks. And I was like, what? Like, it, yes. it's like she really can see things that we can't see with the five senses. And so, you know, when we are talking about the metaphysical, right, that's beyond physical, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have these beautiful five senses. We can see and smell and taste and touch, but only that which can be translated through those senses. And Winifred has this incredible intuitive ability to see beyond that veil. And mm-hmm. um, honestly, as someone who I've always been someone who loves esoteric wisdom and I'm a spiritual seeker, but even still, I'm like, oh, like there's so much I'm not seeing. Mm-hmm. And so like Gina said earlier, really try to listen with your body Mm-hmm. rather than your mind. Like what parts of your body resonate with what she's saying rather than, oh, that makes sense. Because I think that your mind won't make it make sense. It's yeah. so far past anything that we've learned or been conditioned to understand. And to be honest, we've been conditioned to question and um, mm-hmm. judge and, and doubt. Doubt. Yes. So much doubt. And so this was an interesting one because I almost felt this conflict within me, which was that my mind was like, this makes no sense. But then like my body felt resonance with it. And so, yeah, the conversation was different because I have a lot of conversations with my head, but this one felt like a conversation with my body. Mm -hmm. Like heart to heart. Yes. And it was odd Mm -hmm. because you'll notice maybe even with me, like I start talking a little bit slower and a little bit less like myself, <laughs> at least what I think of as myself, because right. I was just so, I was like, I felt speechless, but I was like, okay, well, I have to formulate words, but I was <laughs> well, trying to- I remember so- when you were asking questions, you were definitely like, it's this, right? When I know. You're, <laughs> where normally you're, you, your questions and everything is so well formulated, but definitely I think we were both kind of struggling to find the words. Um, And so, yeah, I think that's the best way to describe and kind of prepare all of you to listen into this episode is, yeah, listen through a different lens. Yeah. Try to listen with your body and let us know what you thought about this episode because it's going to be quite the interesting one. So if it (laughs) resonates with you or you have questions or insights and anything you want us to ask Winifred, definitely um, let us know in a review or send us a DM on Instagram over at Spiraling Higher. And we can't wait for you to listen to this conversation. Welcome back to the Spiraling Higher podcast. We are sitting here right now with our wonderful guest, Winifred. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. And I just have to say, I mean, I've been working with Winifred now for, it's been a few months now, I want to say. I still have one session left. And um, I was just saying how after every session, I run and tell Sam what happened and just these crazy breakthroughs that I've had. So I just can't wait for everyone to hear from you because I really believe that your work can impact so many people. And just the things that I've learned from you in this short period of amount of time, I just really feel like the world needs more of Winifred. Uh, You're very sweet. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure working with you and helping to unfold that which is happening and 
Hello, Sam. It's nice to meet you. I've heard all about you and I've listened to your show and <laughs> and our dear friend <gasps> Natasha yeah. had a great, great yes. interview with you guys. And that was awesome. And you're on a beautiful trajectory. So, you know, my hat's off to you. Light beings, oh. go forth and conquer. Oh, thank you so much. I'm actually just, this is so odd for me because I've heard about you so many times and to really see you here and hear your voice is so interesting. But, um, you know, we've already introduced our audience to a little bit of your work, but I would love for you to just kind of wind back the clock and tell us how does one become a medical intuitive? How does one become aware that they have these capabilities? You know, when did you begin to really tap into this? Because this is a form of nonlinear knowledge, right? That mm -hmm. we don't know how to connect with. I think that in the Western world, we don't have great lexicon for the metaphysical. And although our awareness is growing, you know, how did you become aware and build self-trust and, and build everything that you have? I mean, you are in charge of this association for medical intuitives. You're really guiding and ushering in this whole new paradigm of medical knowledge. And I just, I need to know how you did that. How did you become aware of these gifts and begin to use them and help people? Well, that's that's a really interesting question because the truth is I didn't know I had a gift. I didn't understand. I was a little kid. I mean, I, I think about this often, actually. I was a child um, just going and putting my hands on people. I was basically walking up to people and just putting my hand where they had a problem. And they, I mean, I was a little, little kid. And they would say, how do you know that? And then I just keep my hand there for a long time. And then when it went away, I walked away like, okay, that's good. And that's how I operated. But I didn't know other people didn't do that generally. I thought mm -hmm. that's the way the world was. So mm -hmm. what happened for me is I ended up um, just continuing on that vein. And I was very interested in body system health my entire life. So if we want to call that medical intuition of sorts, I guess that's what it was. I was interested early on and I was a super athlete. I mean, probably could have gone to the Olympics and swimming kind of athlete. I was given wow. scholarship wow. and all that stuff, but I didn't want to do that. So I was very much into wellness my entire life. And at age 16, I started into herbology and learning about herbology. And my family thought I was crazy because I was this little mad scientist in the kitchen all the time. Like, well, if I put Cotterill in here and I do this here, what's going to happen to my performance next week? Wow. <laughs> so I right. did all these things. But what happened is it, it led a pathway toward body awareness, hyper awareness mm. to my systems because I could gauge it on the performances of my competition and my recovery time. So I was already looking at this very scientifically. And this made a lot of sense to me. So that just developed naturally over time, almost like remembering. And by the time mm. I got to my 20s, I was so already in this vein. It's like spirit led me totally to the people that I needed, the things that I was doing. And I dove into herbology and I proved everything backwards. So people would come to me and, and I'd say to them, don't tell me anything about yourself. I'm going to tell you everything about you. And I don't even want to know anything but your name. So I would do that. Then I would get out all my books and I would prove it backwards, why they were testing for certain herbs, why they were testing for uh, particular things and showing how their body was reflecting that back. So scientifically, I proved it backwards, which made a lot of sense to why wow. I already knew it. You see? So I, I went backwards. Mm. I did it in reverse, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, 
What's interesting is this is actually very parallel to what I feel like is happening in our world. It's it's like with the, you know, with the whole rise of quantum physics and mechanics, it's this modern science that's really trying to explain what Eastern mystics knew all yeah. along, right? There's this mm -hmm. parallel here. And so it sounds very similar to you. You had this intuitive knowledge, but then it sounds like you kind of went about trying to explain it yeah. in a scientific way because otherwise you have no way of helping other people understand because it's yeah. so esoteric. And so, I don't know, I just really, I really love that. So you, you began to explain things through or prove your insights through science. Right. Yes. Right. And then I'm curious to know too, were, were your parents afraid? <laughs> Did they encourage this? Yeah. I'm only, I'm only asking because I think about how many people <laughs> might actually have these abilities. I think we all are very intuitive on some level, but you yeah. know, going up to people as a child and, you know, touching their knee or something, your, your parents might be like, that, that's so weird. Stop Winifred. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they, they did. Actually, my parents were pretty cool about letting me be me. I was a ball of energy and I was a really mm. happy kid on average. And because I was mm. sort of self-contained in my own spirit world, I I was very in flow with things because I saw the spirit world around me. It wasn't something that was outside of me. I just couldn't simply, um, I couldn't explain it to other people very well at that time because there was no context and I had no leader no mentor for me mm. except for the spirit world. So my guidance was very direct and I came knowing. I'll say that. I came knowing. I don't think I'm mm. a young soul. I came understanding and wow. knowing many things. And I understood at a very early age responsibility around that. That was sort of mm. something I didn't have to um, train myself to do. It was something that I already understood as like like someone who's been through the military understands honor. I understood right. that at a very young age and I had a sense of what that would mean if you didn't hold true to that. And so right. that came as um, kind of a tenant for what I, what I did and how I did it. But I was naturally a loving child and I was naturally always wanting to make people feel better because I was highly empathic. Mm and am highly empathic. So I want to relieve that which is out of balance around me. And I can't stop that. It's something that it's just natural. And so many people don't mm. have that degree of empathy. Thank God, because we'd all be crazy if we did. It's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of responsibility. But yeah, for those that do have that degree of empathy to be compassionate and understanding of their natures, especially for children today, because like they can't handle loud noises. They can't handle a blast of energy where someone else's field could handle that. It has to be sort of a sweeter mm. environment. So I was often told I was overly sensitive and they would, my parents would look at each other, like just look at each other and go, like, where did she come from? Like, how did you produce her? I don't, I don't know. Like, how did she, what is she? They would just look at me at dinner, dinner really. Like right. I protested at age four on the floor with a big plastic um, bib on with a with a uh, <laughs> lobster on it that they put on me in my high chair and I wouldn't <laughs> eat it. And I cried and I cried. I'm like, don't you hear him screaming? How could you do that? You're putting him in water. Oh my I was devastated oh my and I protested. I fasted as a kid. I'm like, forget it. I'm like this as a child. I'm not doing it. How could you? You're so wow. mean. <laughs> Oh my gosh. What's so amazing is 
really what I heard earlier was that your parents really let you be you because it yeah. sounds like you came into this world knowing, and I think we all do, but then we get trained out of that knowing. Yeah. And so I'm so curious as to how you really stayed connected to the knowing because it's it's actually very abnormal, right? I think m most of us go to school and, and we we work with our parents and teachers and peers and any of that knowing, if it doesn't make sense to the logical mind, which is what we're mostly identified with, we throw it out, right? Unless it makes sense to me, I don't want it. And or at so, least if, if it makes sense to our external world and it's being reinforced, in which case for most of us, it's being re reinforced out, right? So yeah, how how did you stay in the knowing. I don't think you even tried. It I just yes, was. I have had a very, very strong connection to spirit my entire life. It's, I think I spend more of my time that way than I do here in this human body. And wow. that was truly natural. And I was gifted with a family that allowed a lot of time in nature. And you know, they were very supportive to my athleticism, which took me out of dynamics and had me working at personal best and then team best. So these mm. things were training grounds for me being able to handle really hard cases or sustain very difficult situations later now like I deal with and mm -hmm. be able to do what most people can't handle and stay in it and be okay mm. in it. Because most people, if we traded for about a month, they wouldn't be able to sustain the level of um, work that I do. And I don't say that mm. as arrogance. I say that as a fact. The people that do this at this level, it takes tremendous spiritual discipline, but it takes great fortitude to physically run energy at this level and keep it steady and accurate, as well as to handle, like I get phone calls at 11 o'clock at night with emergencies like I had today and yesterday. And I am now my whole day of appointments has changed because of that emergency, but I need to be in support because that's now the priority. So I have to go back mm. and, and move and maneuver with that, but that's a life and death priority. So that switches the gear. So you just kind of have, you learn this, this way of being, but you also settle back into spirit. And I never, uh, I always felt closer to the spirit world than people. And I would say to my mother, sincerely, I loved my mother as a kid, loved my mother. And I would say to her, you're not really my mother. I'm here just with you for a while. Mm. And like, don't you guys remember? Don't you remember? I would say that as a child. Don't you remember? And they would oh be like, okay, wow. we don't know what she's talking about. And they would say, you're making these things up. And I'd say, no, it's right here. So wow. I wasn't a delusional child. I could see. And it was something that my brothers were very loving to me and they supported me. And so I was very athletic in the physical world to burn the energy. But I was, um, how do I say it, always tied and always bringing the spirit world to my family. It's here. It's here. Mm, so, right. I'm curious to know then because I, I do believe that we all have this ability to connect 
with, of course, the spirits and the spirit world. And we have this innate ability to be intuitive and all of that. But we all have obviously varying degrees. So, you know, in your life, have you asked the question, like, why me? Like, why do I have these gifts? I'm curious because I feel like anyone like you that Sam and I have met, it's clear that this was just what they were born with. They came here for this. Where again, there's other people that kind of it develops, you know, over time. I know my intuition has definitely developed since working with you. So, there has to be a reason why certain people come here with this. They're, they're in completion, I guess, mission. Generally, or they're called. So mm. in a way, I was called, but I'm going to say it this way. I was called to completion. So I am finishing out uh, many thousands of lifetimes moving into this completion phase to merge back into oneness, merge back into the Godhead. And that's a very mm. specific discipline that I've taken on consciously in this lifetime and endeavoring and had the knowledge of as a child coming in, I'm seeking to do this. I'm seeking Mm. for completion. But I had lifetimes of being a kahuna. I had lifetimes of being a healer. I had lifetimes of working with people. And I also had lifetimes of being a tyrant, of being wicked. So is it not true that I'm finishing the karmas of coming back to help those maybe I harmed in another lifetime? as well as helping humanity to raise in the higher vibration of the knowingness after those completions, right? So I think that's Mm. true of all those people. And I know this for a fact because some of the other souls I've come in contact with in this lifetime, we know our past, we know what we've done, and collectively we've come to not only bring awareness everywhere we go in the higher spiritual knowingness, but to correct the past of whatever had been done because you're wrapping up lifetimes. And that's true of all people. But in my case, I'm specifically knowing. And I'd like to give you an example of that, if you don't mind. Um, Please, yes. When I was in my 20s, I was super fit. And I mean, really, really, really an athlete fit. And I had a tooth infection that lasted years. And I thought I was going to die. And I mean it. I like, it was the most crazy thing I've ever been through. And anybody who witnessed it was like, I, I don't know what to do with this. I would go to the dentist and I would just pray that they would do a root canal. Take, take it out, mm. do whatever you need to do. And they, they would get right there. Okay, we're going to do it. I'm like, great, finally take it out. And then they'd stop and they'd go, no, I can't take it out. This happened many times. I mean, I thought I was going to lose my mind. I prayed to die. I prayed to jump off a bridge, whatever it took, because it was so painful. And I, <laughs> I had an enlightened living master teacher at the time. And when she spoke to me, she said, well, dear, maybe you did some things in a previous lifetime that you're burning off, you're paying the price of. And I got really, really with that. But the pain was so wicked, I didn't think I could function. And in mm. that moment, all the pain turned off. Because spiritually, it got turned off. And I got to digest that lesson very thoroughly. Then the pain got turned back on, just in case I forgot the lesson. (laughs) It took me years to heal that. Years. And I prayed for a long time (sighs) to be rid of whatever I had done for two others in that time frame. And it was very real. So you could not, like, egoically lose the lesson. Right. 
Mm. And then I, <laughs> I also got to interface with a lot of dentists who couldn't quite make sense of this. So it was really to my benefit. My tooth didn't get taken out, but I got to pay the karma off of whatever I had done previously. So sometimes when I'm mm. dealing with people, their karma play out is, is what's happening and I'm working with them. It's not about always miraculous healing. It's seeing the bigger picture of what's happening and working them through that space so they come out the other side with the karma removed and then the body heals. Right. Wow. And, and when you say like spiritually turned off and on or karma removed, what does that really entail? Right. Like what, what could I expect to experience just as someone who is not familiar with this work? If you were to tell me we're going to spiritually, you know, turn off some sort of no. karmic tie. I okay. don't help me I understand. Can't say that to you. It's spirit's work that does that. I don't do that. And to make it very clear, I'm mm. not the doer of anything. That's a big lesson for all of us. None of us are even the mm. healers out there. You see, the, the world wants us to dance like a like a circus bear and say, oh, is that is she a good healer? Is that a good healer? Let's see what they can do. That's the the problem with our world right now and today. We are running into uh, a wall on this soon. You are stepping away from the grand spirit and God when you do that, because it is God who can turn it on and turn it off. It's mm. the universe, the oneness, the all that is. However, you want to say that whatever word works for you, that is the energy that puts you in awe, like, oh, and that hum humility comes through. So I'm just telling you the mechanics of it, of what I came to understand mm. and the insight around that. And that does happen often for people. So mm -hmm. when I don't walk up to somebody and say, hey, we're going to remove all your karma and we're going to do this and this. That's not how it works. I step in present to see what's needed and sort of pulling from the toolbox, we apply what's needed, right? But first we have to assess what's going on. That's medical intuition. The second one is healing. Right. Well, healing, uh, when it comes to like my tooth and the turning on and turning off, I was given a grace, and this is the truth, I was given a grace by God to not feel the pain for a certain period of time so I could have relief but I could also really digest how powerful that lesson is. I'll give you another example. Mm -hmm. I was to go meet Andre Bocelli in person, and I was invited to his concert after um, a, a very interesting synchronistic set of events. And when I got on the airplane, I had spent a year making a necklace, and I had contemplated the necklace, and I made it, and I contemplated the meaning of it, and I disassembled it, and I made it again, and I did this for the course of a year. I would break it apart, contemplate it, put it back together, look at it. So I was putting a lot of hours of focus into this necklace and praying over it. When I got on the airplane to go see him, I went blind for the entire flight. And this is how I get what? used often. So I'm, I have been experiencing these things my whole life. This was a poignant example. And I really went blind. I sat down. I was in the window seat. I was in first class in the last seat in the window seat. Gone. Sight gone. Couldn't see. 
It's like, you know, L.A. to Washington, D.C. is a long way. I had nothing. So instead of panicking. Was that so you weren't scared? Well, I was concerned. <laughs> yeah. OK. <laughs> I, was, I was more concerned. How am I going to navigate at the other end of this? I right. did understand at that point, uh, something's being done here. Something by God and spirit is happening to me, but I don't know what it is. So how am I going to function with the person next to me in the seat? Because I can't see now. How do I function with the lady who's going to come and ask me if I want to drink or not or whatever? I can't see anything. And so what I did is I ended up praying for the entire flight and getting very focused and very deeply integrated into my spiritual understanding. And I went into a deep five-hour, three-hour, whatever it is, meditation. And on the other side of that, when they opened the door at the gate, my sight was returned to me. And that's a fact. So I went down. I was, I was stunned, really. I got on this little tramway. We went across to another terminal. And all these people are looking at the necklace that I had spent a year making. And they're leaning in and they're looking at me like, God, that's a really beautiful necklace. That's really nice. And I'm thinking, do you know what just happened to me? I like lost my sight for three hours and you're looking at my <laughs> necklace and I'm, I'm trying to compute what's taking place. Right. So I get down to the baggage claim and I meet that mentor. And she says to me, well, dear, now you'll have a lot more appreciation of how Andrea Bocelli sees the world and how he navigates in the world before you meet him. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so that is so crazy. Oh my goodness. B before you went into that story, which was just so like, I have literally full body chills. I'm, a, I'm cold right now, <laughs> which is so crazy. I don't know what that means. But um, before that, you were saying that you're not really doing anything and spirit is doing it through you. And I think I've we've both come to recognize that between me and Gina sometimes when we're talking, it almost feels like we're not the ones talking almost. Yeah. Like there's like other people who are kind of like, or other beings kind of coming through us, right? But um, I think that it sounds as if you are really a translator of, does yes. that make sense? Is that the right word? Yes. Okay. Right. And, and so guide. You, you are really the, yes, mm, like yes. you are the conduit mm -hmm. between the spirit and physical world. And you're able to really call upon, I guess what we call infinite intelligence to help alleviate the pain within this 3D physical world? Uh, well, I wouldn't call it intelligence. Can I say it a different way? I would just call it spirit yes. and God. Because mm. when we say intelligence, if we were to get into quantum grammar, parse syntax grammar, for example, intelligence, I-N means no. So it's a negative, no contract word. And all of our language is actually made that way. So mm. if we were to say intelligence, that actually speaks to the idea that we are in communion with something, not negating the communion. And I'm, that's mm. a whole nother topic and another subject, but I'm, I'm telling you wow. this because we really are identifying too often with the mind and it's yes, this, yeah. the heart frequency, the heart connection to the oversoul and then to the actual spirit that is what we're seeking. So I was gifted with that connection consciously and have had to hone it. I mean, I've had my my own persona and ego as a kid and moving into it as an adult, things we learn. I mean, that's just normal. 
But one thing is holding that open-heartedness and the open-hearted interface, but inter is a no contract word too, so that I can find a better word for that. Connection. The connection there would Mm -hmm. be appropriate. And we've learned a language to fascinate each other's egos with our mind, not a language through the heart. Mm. And so this Mm -hmm. is only and always heart work. It's not, um, I wouldn't get the, the opportunity to be that translator or that guide or that hands-on or even distant healer, if you will, if I did not honor what I was given. The gift would not mm. be there. It would go away. Mm-hmm. What I w- always found so, um, I mean, my brain would always explode every time I had a session with you because, you know, I never really knew what to expect. <laughs> we didn't really know going into it what we were going to talk about. I would kind of go in thinking one thing. And a lot of times there would be something that would kind of be in the back of my mind, but I was like, I'm not going to bring this up. And then you would just bring it up <laughs> and you would just be able to sense these things and start asking these questions where all of a sudden these topics would come up. And I would always ask you, how did you know that? And your response was always, I don't. <laughs> I don't. And I don't remember you in don't. the moment. Like when we go through a pass in the session, this is true of every, everyone, always. In fact, yesterday I had a girl, the same thing, and she's like, I can't believe you just said out loud the things I didn't tell you. And it's not me knowing. It's in the moment. Yeah. Her soul is coming for the help. Her soul is coming to the forefront for that assistance in asking, can I have help? And so I'm bringing forward where the ego blocks and and the words can be spoken, the things can come out, and the healing can come to pass. That's really what's happening. So we're having a moment in time. It's like a cross-section in the cosmos in this vectoring point right here, right now. And if we step outside of that, now we're back to human again. And when we step inside of that, we're in this quantum field of everything's possible. What, what's so crazy about this conversation is I, I wish people could feel what I'm feeling and maybe they are, but this conversation is beyond the words that we're saying. Do you feel, do you I feel honestly that? just got this weight? Like I'm starting to cry right now and I'm like, I don't know why I'm getting so emotional, but it, I just got hit with that too. I just got this huge wave and I just started to tear up and, and cry. And I think what really triggered it was when you just said how it was my soul asking for help. And you know, my sessions with you, I originally came to you for physical healing. And so much of what came up was emotional healing and so much trauma that's been stored in me for so long. And um, it really was my soul that got to come out in that space with you and just ask you what I needed. Because I think from a human perspective, I didn't even know what to ask for, you know, and but you just heard through my spirit what I needed. And maybe that's what I'm feeling right now. But it's really what one of the biggest things that I've learned from my sessions with you really is the connection from body, mind, and spirit. You know, all of these physical ailments that I've been struggling with for so long, and then understanding that there's also the internal trauma that's stored and just how you were able to move through all of that with me and how they're all connected. You know, the migraines was probably one of the biggest things I came to you for because I have these debilitating migraines that all of a sudden I don't have anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's actually insane. And it makes so much sense because I've been trying to heal them all separately. 
Yeah. I've been going to doctors for years for migraines. I've been going to therapists for years for trauma. I've been working with so many different people. And with you, it was like a holistic approach to all of it at the same time. And so it's beautiful. Your soul th- thank has you. come to the timing. And this is true of all souls. It comes to the timing. Just like when I found my master mentor teacher, it was lined up already in mm. time. It's almost like saying it this way. You have a timeline in your life. You're born, your heart starts beating at X time, and then you have so many heartbeats that are already laid out in your life, and your life plan it ends over here. And by the way, that's true. You can get a contract mm. extension sometimes, which I've been witness to in the healings with people, but that is only happening on high. It's not because of someone like me. So that the heartbeats are measured. But at X time, you're going to run into this and this so that you can heal this over here. On so many heartbeats, you're going to come into this vectoring with so-and-so. And here comes where you are prepared now to do the work. And the work is coming forward so that, in, in your case, Gina, healing your whole bloodline, healing your entire family, going all the way back and moving, moving into a new possibility and being able to consciously actually bring your family into that now space and moving into the the forward zero point with them, even if their egos don't quite know and they won't get to where you are consciously, they will be advanced along the way. And what a loving gesture that is. I mean, that's your work, right? So you're coming through and bringing people to a higher space today and you're inviting them to open up just like your show with both of you. You're offering to people the opportunity to consider things and then those considerations come back through. So Sam, you're feeling energy right now. And if you guys just wait a second, I'll throw some beauty connection down through your spine right here to kind of open that up for you. So give me one second. Now you should feel that come down through the back of your head, Sam. Through your spine, because you're bottled up in your thoracic spine a little bit. Gina's in her, (laughs) she's bottled up in her lower throat chakra and her thymus, thyroid area. Now we'll just kind of connect that back down and ground it and let that flow come in. And now you'll feel kind of a sweep of divine light, like a column of light coming down through you. And we'll extend that out through your solar plexus to all your listeners. All those that want to commune with you and feel that loving presence coming through. the knowingness that you're considered, that you're accounted for in the world, that you're accounted for by spirit. And that that loving presence allows you to feel safer in this world and open up to your divine blueprint, your potential. Now you'll feel it kind of come off your chest area, in front of you, and now you'll feel your aura kind of expand into a lightness. 
Oh, Sam, you're withholding a little bit. What do you get? There, now you'll feel it run down through your sacrum. Knees even. Your jawline. <laughs> feel it come out through your teeth and your face, your head, where you're holding. Now your third eye will open some more. You can feel it a lot in your cheekbone head area. Let's bring the indigo ray in through your third eye and let's just pull that in to anchor the light and the beauty and this love and this knowingness. There. Well, your solar plexus kind of give way to that withholding. Now what we'll do is we'll connect all the heart centers with our heart fairies to all your listeners and to us here in this circle. So we'll expand that. So here we go. Feel that immediately run through your heart center. All those listening can tap into this too. That brings you back into more harmonic balance with your spirit into your body systems and body systems are now more at ease and it's not so much the egoic thinking mind that's in the forefront, more in your heart space. So your chemistry in your body changes. You're available to meet the spirit light and the energy, the loving light that's coming through for you. That's really what's happening. It's in this space that the healing takes place. It's in this space that the reformatting takes place. And the availability to let go and allow spirit. Spirit can do anything in an instant. Your karma is what dictates what happens in an instant. And then your frame of mind changes that as well. bringing you back into your heart space and seeing your heart as a beautiful green rose blooming and expanding out with golden light coming out of it, encompassing your entire work field in that beautiful golden light with a divinely open heart in this space, in this now hyphen space for the love with these souls 
by the divine. And so it is. I feel like I'm living inside of my heart. It just feels like every it feels like the heart is the anchor whereas opposed to I think all of us, most of us, it feels like we're just kind of living up here. We're like floating heads, right? And I can feel this marked difference between the energy up in here being called back into here and um wow. You know, I want to be able to live a more heart-centered life, but I keep going back up here to the mind. And I don't want to shame myself for that because I think that's just how we are conditioned. But how does one live more from the heart? How can that become our state of being? Your words are very important. The words that you're speaking the words that we're talking about. So if you think about it, what you just said, the you don't want to shame yourself. Shaming, even the word shame, which is an ego-oriented word, and this is not a, not a criticism, I have a, a point to this, the, the, totally. sh- the word shame has become so commonplace, and that's, that's an intended psyops on the people. So the fact that it's so easily used is conditioning and pre-programming the thinking mind to keep that word in the forefront. And yet that word is the word that leads to a lot of cancer. That word is the word that leads to quite a bit of dissonance in the body. So I kind of have this belief system in this tenant. Like if you came to me with cancer and said, I need help and I want to do it naturally or energetically or something. I say the first thing is we're going to take away the word cancer in your vocabulary. Yeah. So if we take away all those words, you're now really changing the narrative of what they've, what society has programmed us to say and do, moving back to Mm -hmm. the heart space. And therefore, those lower frequency words no longer are in your vocabulary. They don't go out to other people. You don't get the karma of putting them out to other people. And you now have the availability to add something more beautiful into it. So if you were going to express what you just said back again without that word, what would you say differently? How would you say it differently? How can I treat myself with more love? Now you have no negative wording in there that doesn't impact you that way. You see what I mean? So this is so important. And you'll feel better. This is, this is so important. This, um, wow, this reminds me so much of, I don't know if you've heard of this channel text called Joy Writing the Universe. Um, it's a beautiful channel text. And there's a portion in there that talks about the programmed layering on top of words and how words are not just words anymore, right? Words are really, I mean, words are energy, right? And there are certain words that have been layered with more, ne- I don't know how to say it, just negativity, just, just there's heavy heaviness around the mm-hmm. word. So for example, the word cancer, right? We can't just say the word with neutrality. There is already inherent conditioning. It. Yeah. And, yeah. And so you have to be so careful about word choice. And um, it, it's just something that I've become more aware of in my life. And there's a lot of conditioned thought patterns, right? That continue to reinforce and perpetuate 
right? Yeah. Through, it's so hard to explain <laughs> because I don't want to use words to explain what I'm saying. I, but well, no, I'm doing you know it trigger because so, you're going to think about everything that you're saying. But that's the key, right? So well, it's like right. Yes, I can. You're looking, and so we. Yeah. And so that, I mean, that's why you have to meditate. You have to live in wordlessness to experience freedom from the conditioning because words mm, are not neutral, right? right? Beca- because of, right, yeah. And so- And it's I'm funny just, how some words trigger different people in different ways, right? I think that's always been really interesting because there's certain, I mean, even in our relationship, Sam and I always laugh that there's certain words that our husbands will say that like, that's my trigger word or, you know, and so I think everybody has those different ones, but actually I want to kind of circle back to my sessions with you again. And one of the things that I've really embodied in my daily life is the terminology of going blank. Yes. And I would love for you to kind of explain you know, what, what you mean by that and, and how that can help people with exactly what Sam was just talking well, about. What we just touched on a minute ago, what we did a little bit of is what I do in the quantum healing meditations that I do with people. And the point of mm-hmm. that is to help people go back to what we'll call in today's terminology, the zero point. And it is the, the point of neutrality. So again, in in quantum grammar, you have the um, exactness of a mathematical equation of words that are equal forward and back. It's not subjective. Well, when you apply that to the field of quantum, like I do in the meditations, you come to this space that is energetically different. Even saying the words, people can feel immediately, they drop in, it changes just like I did a minute ago. Mm. Your system responds to that and it, it goes blank. It goes neutral because what happens is it negates the chemical patterning that's happening in your body and the chemical patterning shuts off the adrenaline and you move into more glandular energy. So the glandular energy is now systematically functioning as it should and it feels better. It feels like relief to you. But that's only one tiny itty-bitty step. You have to be disciplined over a period of time, generally years, to condition back down into much deeper, sweeter, subtler energy fields. And those all require diligent, competent understanding as well as practice. So where we want to just dump in and do a quick 20-minute meditation, and now we're good, and we got there, and then we go and talk about it. That's not what masters do. That's not what those Mm. who are truly endeavoring spirit knowledge do. They sit in it for quite a while, and there's a reason, because it takes a bit to get to that frequency of neutrality. And being blank is being without the thinking mind. And I would say Mm -hmm. to you this, stop thinking. Just stop thinking, right? So it's hard I to know. stop thinking. Yeah. It takes practice. Yes. Well, I'm wondering if that's kind of um, how you guide people through, let's say, a terminal. They've been, they've been diagnosed with something, right? There's an illness. And I know that what happens with a lot of these people is now they are identified with the illness. And so they mm-hmm. continue to re-perpetuate more of the same. And so when you work with them, I think I think the misconception, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, you don't like wipe away 
what's going on in the body. I think you really divorce themselves. You really divorce them from the identity with such illness. And then they move into the space of, like you said, going blank or non-identification with such. And then the frequency is able to come to a place that's no longer in alignment with the illness. Does this make sense? That's partially true. Now, it depends on the type of healing. So let's take somebody in a coma, for mm. example, okay? Because those are the easiest people okay. to work on because their thinking mind is not in the way. So wow. the kinds of what we'll call miraculous healing is because they can get out of the way. And as I've said before, I've had people mm. um, in a coma and then their spirit shows up alongside of me looking at the body like, hey. I'm right here and I'm looking at the body (laughs) and I'm like, yeah, I know. I know you're here. Okay. So they're, they're (laughs) witnessing themselves while in a state of being held steady, say in, in allopathic medicine, but their spirit is taking a breather. It's taking a rest, if you will, while the body heals. And so sometimes to answer your question, there is a, profound turnaround in real time of cellular function. And that is really what happens because you can't reason with somebody in a coma. You can't talk to them. You can't discuss anything with them. Mm. This is all energetic and it's all frequency at that Mm. point, no matter how it gets done. So at that point, it's really God love. The, The God love comes through and it comes through like a plow of energy at times. And So my job is kind of, I've been given the job to, say, monitor that energy that comes through and be able to witness it as well as apply it, as well as slow it down, uh, use it in ways I can't even explain to you very easily because it's at a molecular level. So when I go inside somebody, I'm looking at their blood, I'm looking at their organ system function, I'm looking at the organ versus the systems of organs how they go together, where there's disharmony and all of that, all in one. It's like a split second. Bam. Okay, what are we looking at here? What's needed? And so to go back to the question, in a way, that's true. There are other cases and different things where what you're doing is, depending upon the need, you might need to bring up the organ function before you can get to that new spacing, if you will. Right. So you're talking about, in a way, a new understanding, a shedding of the old and a bringing forth of of what the new frequency collective could be. And it depends on the person and how you get there. It really depends on what they're experiencing. So what you're looking to do essentially at the end of the day is you're looking to have them back in harmony, harmony with their own spirit and harmony to God. And I'm not afraid to say that. When early in my career, I didn't want to say that word. No, I, I want to use the universe, mm. whatever. Because of all the conditioning on the well, word. When you have experiences that you get to witness these things in that way firsthand, and it goes through your body and you witness it and you feel it, suddenly being shy about saying that word or calling it that is no longer an issue. It's it's just yeah. such a beautiful energy and God power, God energy, the frequency of love as it comes through. It's humbling. It's really humbling. Mm. I, 
it all comes in waves. Many times when there's like a miraculous healing, people will be very open in that moment because it's like their field is cracked open to receive it. And then when they heal yeah. and they go back out into the world and all these people talk to them again and their ego comes forward again to heal, to get out of that space, they won't even remember the depth of what took place and how they responded within that. It's almost like they forget because it's a suspended space in time. So the healing happened in an opened field in a suspended space and time, and then it kind of closes again as they heal. And either they got the lesson or they didn't. So they walk forward, hopefully getting the lesson more or having an adjustment to their contract or an adjustment to their spiritual growth and to their healing, to their physical body. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. Um, I actually want to circle back to what you said before about how I think you were saying that one of the biggest causes of cancer comes from shame. Yes. Um, we actually, I know, have a listener right now. She actually shared on her Instagram with us that she was listening to our podcast as she was on her way to radiation. Um, so I actually, I, I, I'm sure there's other people that are experiencing it. I actually have a friend um, who just told me about a diagnosis of her husband as well. So I'm curious to know, what do you mean by that? Like, how, why does shame cause cancer? Like, what is happening inside it's that? It's a negation of the spirit, light, and the soul. So it's an ego yeah. setup. It's an ego contract word, if you will, to shame. The spirit never shames. The spirit is. Only human mind can make mm. up shame. And human mind cuts mm. off the spirit to that organ system or to that space or allows dissonant energy to constantly play underneath the thinking mind. And so if, if I... If I gave you, look at Camp Lejeune right now, right? There's this big, if you were Camp Lejeune between these dates, then you have the right to sue for bad water. Okay, so if I gave you bad water over the course of your lifetime and you ended up getting sick, you've spent your entire lifetime drinking bad water, which eventually has an effect on your body system. It weakens it over time. The thoughts that go with shame, even if it's subconscious, which is the work that I do, pull forward the subconscious thinking and expose it so that it doesn't settle in the organ systems. And if it has settled, we're moving it out. So go back to what you just said, Sam, previously. We're extracting that which has been uh, cemented into a space, if you will. But it's really up to their karma again and to their willingness and to the grace that's going to come through on how that gets reset. So if they continually get in the way of that, they'll see some healing. It's not my job to create uh, what we'll call a miracle because of. That's not what I'm asked to do. But it can happen if they're willing and available to receive and they can override that frequency of shame, of cancer, of even just taking all their past traumas, which could have been many. Maybe maybe the shame is not necessarily shame, but it's actually a different feeling. But because we're limited, we call it shame. Mm-hmm. So what I'm what I'm really hearing here is that any sort of dissonance or ailment or really dis-ease is um is a manifestation of non-love. Well, it's a a, a blocking of the incoming love because if everything is in concert for your highest good at all moments you're in a sea of divine love so what keeps you from 
keeping that in your field consciously. Is yeah, the there's nothing, there is nothing that would keep you from delighting this moment in this time with these souls at this particular day. And yet, we, and the mind. young people today, what they're doing is they're preconditioning tomorrow. And then they're trying to yes. judge the moment of today and impose that on another. That's big karma. Mm-hmm. They're saying, oh, well, we got this now. Yeah. Da, da, da. And, and they're, they're influencers, negative, no contract. Influencers are telling people how to be. And instead of inviting them to be your example, they're telling them be this because that's where it's at. That's a misguidance mm. because you're, you're really just inviting them to be in loving space with you. Bring mm. their loving self to the party. Yeah. <laughs> this um, conversation about shame reminds me about, you know, what I've come to understand about the, this shadow self or the shadow work. And I was speaking with someone recently who was saying, the shadow only exists because of the absence of light. As soon as you step into the light fully, there is no Correct. shadow. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. And so I can only experience a shadow of myself or something that I am judging to be dark or unlovable or bad, right? From the eyes of of non-love, almost like I'm not seeing myself through love. And that's the only way I can even see that within myself. Yeah. Right. And I think that's probably why it's so healing when people have children, right? You know, Gina was able to (laughs) see her child with full love, like literally as if it was the eyes of source seeing this child. And then it, it gets flipped back onto yourself. And then, and then you're able to witness how many non-loving ways you viewed yourself. Sam, I think that's an awesome point because it's true. The delight and the absence of programming on a child spirit brings in that freedom. And that, that's really all we want. It's other people that shut you down. And we have such a valuation on what we do in the world. It's not about what we yeah. do. When someone becomes very ill and it's life or death, it's about how you be. It's not about what you do because if you're not showing up to give love, even in your most tired hour, right? You can see how tired I am today, but I've I've had a big week with Mm -hmm. people that are living and dying and their relatives are sad and it's, you know, right up to the minute and it's tentative and then there's other things, but that doesn't change the love that sits behind it. And we're so conditioned to judge today instead of see the light, see the love. You know, if I came to you and said hello to your heart, if you didn't have a head on your shoulders, and I said hello to your heart, your heart would say hello back. <laughs> there would be no, <laughs> no like assessment of all these right. things, right? We're so into these things. Mm. And it's the love that we're seeking in all things. If you can, you won't go wrong with that. You can't go wrong with that. It's where we end up at the end oh. of the day, and that's how healing happens. That's truly, I mean, we can get into the mechanics of it, which the world loves. And yeah. there is science mechanic to it. But you, uh, there's something you said I wanted to 
um, touch on. The healing that happens with people um, can come in as a matter of karma. So let's say that you get so far with your healing and then it's like you just can't get over that hump no matter how hard you try. Well, that's a little bit of your karma. And that's why I focus so much on tapping because tapping mitigates karma. Mm -hmm. And tapping helps to shave off. And trust me, you've got lifetimes of karma. I learned that early on from my teacher that you've you've got lifetimes to undo. And boy, wasn't that to be true. So when you take that and embrace it and create that as part of your habitual day as you, you move through things, you're just automatically shaving off more and more. When you sit down to meditate, you're shaving off more. But your willingness to show up in a loving space is 99% of it. Mm. So going back to what you said, Gina, about being blank, the more blank you can be without broadcasting nervous tension at people, without broadcasting thought forms at others, which is not easy to do. It's, and you don't know what's working on you. EMFs, radio waves, all kinds of things could be influencing you and your biology at that moment. You're not sure. So you are justifying what you're feeling and what's incoming. And in fact, you have to keep stepping back and saying, I don't really know what's happening here, but I'm going to be loving despite any of that. I'm going to be in this space of whatever divine wants to inspire me with for the sake of this moment in this time right here. That's the position to take because anything other than that is karma producing. Can you explain karma? I feel like there's a lot of misinformation out there and I think it's just one of those other words that have a lot of negative attachments Mm -hmm. to them and a lot of people can be afraid of karma or I mean myself included where I'm like, well, how do I get rid of it? (laughs) And how do I stop making it? And what did I do? And especially when you talk about past life karma, kind of like, I didn't do that though. Um, and so can you just explain a little bit about what you mean by that and, and yeah, like why we maybe shouldn't be afraid well, of it? From what I have come to understand and seen proven to me via my work and understanding mm-hmm. from my mentors who were enlightened beings and actually completely merged back into the oneness and still functioning in mm-hmm. a human body. The karma is broken down in in levels and layers so it's just an action reaction but let's pretend earth is a game when you came to earth yes which it is illusion right (laughs) but you're stuck in the matrix until you're not so as you can move through that what will happen is if earth is how many lifetimes do i have to keep repeating the same mistakes before i actually get that love and compassion and loving kindness and surrender to source. Now, surrender is the key word because we don't surrender. We want to know. We want to own it and control it and be it. But that's true of all of us. We're all working at surrender. Because surrender feels better in the end anyway. And that's when people in a coma have to surrender. So their spirit shows up next to me and goes, oh, now I get it. Yeah. When people are right on that edge with cancer, they surrender, right? They have to let go of all the programming. So it's not easy. This is a difficult task that we've taken on. This game is kind of rigged. And when you come into it, you say, I got it. I remember everything. I'm, I'm going to come down there and I got this. I'm going to conquer it. 
no problem. So you get down here and then everything happens and you forget because you become emotionally charged and emotionally attached to everything instead of being objective with spirit. Letting spirit do the doing, not you doing the doing. And then you identify with things, so you're holding yourself, you're anchoring more in, into the game. And as you anchor through the game, you're trying to unhinge in the game. As you work at these things like tapping and meditation and things like that, you default more back to spirit. And as you default more back to spirit, you're setting up more nows that are in conjunction like a necklace, you know, like the beads on a necklace simultaneously one after another. So the next one has a better opportunity. And the next one has a better opportunity. Then you can get out of the game easier consciously. But otherwise, you're anchored into a polarization, and duality is the game. It's positive and negative, and you're stuck in the polarization. It's a challenging game. And for as much as people want to pretend they're not affected by the polarization, they are, until you're defaulting to spirit so much so that that veil comes over you and dictates for you. And people don't want to give way to that because that seems scary. But the loving energy of that is never scary. And it is only loving energy. It's when you play in the psychic world, you play in the game of astral planes of existence in the I know that you get in trouble because there are dark energies there and there are things that will mask as other. So it's kind of eyes on your own plate, staying steady in that sweetness and coming out of the matrix in that way. Does that explain that? Yes, but I get confused about dark energies because if love is all there is, right, and then we are the ones who are really blocking that through our ego and our mind, then where do the dark energies come in? Well, that's a good question, Sam, because I've definitely wrestled some dark energies and wrestled them out of people and low frequency entities and energies, and that that's more common than you think. That's somebody in their doubt space, negating the light, allowing something else to come in and attach to them. And if there's a collective energy, just like a country has a collective consciousness to it based on the behavior of the people, and a world has a collective consciousness. So we're going through a little bit of the karmic collective cleanup at the moment. That comes back down to the individual and where they allow or disallow light to come in. Dark energies are a test. Will you still choose in the greatest darkness? And are you that attached to, I'm going to say this this way and hope people don't take it the wrong way, but are you that attached to living as opposed to spirit? Because it can take you right up to the brink of that test and the whole time you've been protected and you don't realize it. But you get the lesson of that. And I have, mm-hmm. I've interviewed people that have had that. And they've had similar experiences about, you know, the um, darkness that came into the room and it was a real thing and it manifested and it scared them and it was terrible. But what are you scared of in the end? What, what are you really afraid of? It's all about fear versus love. Mm-hmm. So when you step out, They always say a simple man is easier to enlighten than a learned man. 
Because a learned man mm. is one that has to unlearn everything before his heart opens. So when yeah. the heart is open, you don't have as much to get through. It's not as difficult. Right. The default mm-hmm. toward, toward, and I'm going to say it this way. I know a lot of people won't like this, but obedience. I am obedient to God power, to those that are greater than me in the healings. And when I'm told to do something, I do it. When I'm told information, I relay it. I'm obedient to a power that is either more knowing or more organized than I am. And in Mm. in that comes about what's needed. And I don't always know why that's needed, but I don't ever doubt it. And it's always been right. It's always come through as correct. So that's Mm. obedience. Obedient to your spirit versus to the ego mind. Most people can't differentiate the two. They don't know which one's speaking. Well, yeah, I was just going to say most of us are being obedient, whether we know it or not, but we're being obedient to the programming, to ego, to fear, all of those things, right? I mean, there's so many times in my life that I was obedient to my fear and I was like, okay, I won't do it. (laughs) You know, I'll listen to you, you know, I'll follow whatever you say. I'm not going to put myself out there. So I love that. And I actually, this is such a good segue because one of the things that we've talked a lot about in our sessions and also Sam and I have talked at length about on this podcast is ego versus spirit. And that was actually, I think my, one of my last sessions with you of differentiating and you had me kind of write down and tune into how do I know when spirit's there and what does it feel like to be disconnected from spirit and what does spirit feel like? How do I know when it's spirit? And you had me write those things down. And so I know that that's, um, a common question that a lot of people have, you know, ego versus spirit manifestation, ego versus spirit voice, you know, how do we know? And so how would you explain that to somebody to differentiate between the two? Because I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, are struggling That's with this. That's a really good question, Gina, because sometimes people either run into a trauma, like let's say they were sexually abused and their mind becomes severely incoherent and their trust factor to spirit was so violated at a young age, it's like someone that went to war and they have severe PTSD and it's difficult for them to trust again and connect back. So in some cases, it's almost like having to identify the trauma and understand the degree of the trauma Mm -hmm. to find that pathway gently back and connect it. And that takes time and some effort. But in general, if we're just talking about, say, you know, anybody that maybe didn't have a severe trauma like that. Mm -hmm. What makes you feel lighter? What makes you feel more joyful? What makes you feel more uplifted? What stops that incessant tyranny in your head? That's when you know. You just know. It's instant. You just, you have a knowingness. It's like, you see the sky is blue. It's not purple. It's blue. And you know that, right? Well. You you expect that to be, and that becomes a litmus test. You go back to that frequency again and again. So if people were trained away from that frequency at a young age, it takes a little more work for them to discover and align with that and continue to condition to that. But meditation is good for that because the feeling mm-hmm. has you knowing, right? So trusting in the knowing, and you start with simple things. You don't have to learn a skill overnight, and it is a bit of a skill if you've been traumatized. You have to Mm -hmm. 
sometimes it's good to take time away. And some people might call that selfish, but you're just taking time away from all the inputs and all the opinions and all the ideas of all the other egos around you. And you're being able to hear your own voice again. That's the key. Mm -hmm. So when you can hear your own voice, you can identify the little tyrant that's also suggesting the opposite. And the Mm. tyrant will suggest things that, how about this? If you were to sit still, let's say for two hours, you're going to put my timer on, I'm not going to move for two hours. Every thought that comes to mind, I'm going to say, okay, there, there, dear, and let it go by. Every suggestion of how hungry you suddenly are, oh, I have to go to the bathroom, wait a minute, I forgot these things, and you just keep letting it go by. By the time the two hours is over, you'll have a much different experience of who you really are, because at some point, you're going to let go of that. Ego is going to get frustrated suggesting Mm. to you, and then you'll be left with a feeling of, oh, spirit. But the ego is wicked, and it will tie you up in knots of tension. So hence the work. We do the work so you can get to that Mm. space quicker, and then you can practice it and work at it. Yeah. Mm. I think what's so difficult is that, um, or maybe even unfortunate, is that you really can't know how disconnected you are until you're reconnected. I think that was my experience, um, just living life as I was in this disconnected, very egoic, thought-identified state in fear. And I I didn't know that there was another way, another realm, but I started kind of noticing other people are not – other people have lived or accessed other – other ways. You, you can see it in the way they live their lives. And so I knew on some level they're, they're not living on the same frequency as me. Like there's something different here. But I, I don't even know how I really got to here because now <laughs> I can, I you know what I mean? It's like now that I'm here, I can see how disconnected I was. But how, yeah. do, how do we help someone who's so lost in the disconnection? Because, you know, even now sometimes I talk to people and I do feel for them because I, I want them to to come and be where I am in this state of disconnection from the thought forms and this kind of deeper awareness of who they are. And that doesn't really mean anything to you until you felt it. I, you know, I, I, I see a lot of content online and I, I feel bad for the followers because it's like, oh, like your problem isn't that you haven't achieved X, Y, Z. It's that you don't remember who you are. And people are like, what does that mean? Like, yeah, I know who I am. I know, you know, they're like, they're like, I know my name. I know what, yeah. you know, they're like, what does that mean? Right. And so I don't know. I, I guess it's different for everyone, but how can we usher more and more people to connect with who they truly are so they can really feel this marked difference between living from ego versus radiate spirit? differently. You radiate differently. Mm. When you radiate differently, you don't mm. have to tell them to come see your space. They'll be attracted to see your space. They'll want to find out why your space feels better. It, it's an automatic, yeah. automatic thing. and their soul will call them to the healing they need and you have to trust spirit. So offering, like I said earlier, you're just inviting people to what you've come to understand, if you will, and exploring that and Mm -hmm. conversing about it and sharing. And Mm -hmm. so the invitation is steady. The invitation is out there. But to invite them from your sincerity in your heart and to let that go, you're not attached to it. 
they you're not attached to their awareness you're not attached to anything because you're busy working on you and then the you will radiate in such a manner that they will want to kind of feel that or be in the space of that or come to that that will help them you can't turn people faster spirit has control here yeah. not us and spirit knows their timing and how that'll line up I'm sure of that mm-hmm. from the yeah. work I've done. I've seen it again and again. You don't bring people to the party. You you just offer to them what is and what is truth to you. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you said to me um, that really stuck with me was no enlightened being rushes. Mm-hmm. And that really helped me because I was like, okay, I'm ready to heal. How do we get me healed as quickly as possible? And so that really helped me to slow down. I think one of my, um, I guess, challenges has really been this addiction to adrenaline that we talk about all the time, that I'm just always, you know, go, 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 go. And so I always keep that in mind for myself, but also for the people around me, because I think when you do this work, it can be a bit frustrating when you are witnessing, especially people who are closest to you, operating in a totally different paradigm. And there's this clash of, the way that we live, the way that we think, the things that we see. And so there's sometimes this feeling of like, I just want them to hurry up to know what I know, or we try to force these, you know, teachings onto them. But seeing this quote that you shared with me really helped me to just also get out of the way of trying to force them into it either, that it's all on their time, I'm on my time, and we just don't need to be rushed. So I just wanted to share that because that was really helpful for me. Very sweet. You know, the um, enlightened beings also don't heal. They don't need to heal. And that's going to sound silly because, you know, how did they get to that point? Well, the truth is they don't heal to get to that point. If we were really going to dissect it, they get in tune with their spirit and then the spirit heals. So right Mm. now, like my work is more um, technically, my work is helping people that are caught up in, in, a a stuck space or they're very ill and they don't have another answer. They need more tools or they are seeking an answer that's evaded them. That's how I would kind of think of it more so. Right. So we Mm -hmm. are so addicted to healing at this point. We've lost sight of the point of healing in the beginning. The point of healing was to expedite the place to get to your open heart. And instead Mm. we are using healing as a buzzword for what's popular and cool instead of actually taking sincerely. So, and I mean this with total respect that if you were to truly heal, you would do it more quietly and you would take your insights to heart longer because every time you share them, Mm. you you dissipate what you just got. So we're trained today in popular culture to share, 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 share. But first you have, you yourself have to digest it. You have to come to your own knowingness yeah. around it. And it, masters don't heal. They are in balance and they stay in balance. So they don't do things that take them out of balance. They don't associate with people mm. who take them out of balance. They don't, and they're not bothered by that because they're very steady in their energy field. They're very steady in their knowingness. So it's like, The hurricane can pass you by, but you're the big tree that is 40 feet down into the ground and you may bend a lot, but you're not moving. 
And the egos mm. can pass you by, but you're not moving. And you're not responding to them all either. You're in your own lane. Mm. It's kind of like the Olympic athlete. They have their eyes on their own plate. They aren't out drinking on the weekends, doing whatever. They have their goal set and they're doing it. That's what this takes. And people aren't, most mm. people, 90% of people are not willing to do that. So is that healing? Well, it is healing in the end, but it's discipline. And I'm a big proponent mm. of discipline because discipline creates the chemistry that not only allows your healing, but it takes you to the next step. And that's really what you're seeking. You're seeking connection. Mm. Yeah. You've you've really hit the nail on the head of something that really irritates me about um, about healers and like coaches online and including really the old me this this version that I've stepped out of. But I always say that I'm a recovering spiritual perfectionist because I was trying to like actively egoically heal my way to perfection and love, and I was really under the guise and illusion illusion of time, right? Because yeah. I'm going to do this now, and then later on, I'll be a healed, better version. And all of this is so illusory and just keeps you stuck in this wheel of egoic tension. And um, when really the healing comes, when you really ground into, like we've talked about so much, really your state of being. It, it's not a place or a destination or a time that you get to and achieve. It's it's just what occurs when you come back to this state of wholeness. And that can happen right oh, now. Yes. It's yes, not. You know, when I started yeah, on my path with enlightenment, when I started on my path there, I didn't know what I was looking for. I knew what I was looking for uh, energetically, but I, I didn't have words for that. I couldn't say it looks like this. I'm looking for that. So I was mm. um, graced with being able to work with these enlightened beings. And early on in that, I had a dream. And I would say it wasn't really a dream. It was a lucid dream. So it was more of a spiritual dimensional experience to speak to what you said, Sam. And the premise was I was in this Egyptian temple like on the ground floor at um, in a dirt floor where the sun streamed in between the, the bricks or the wall. And this enlightened mm -hmm. teacher was there and told me to build this thing on the ground. And I did. So I built up all these bricks in the middle of this temple. And just as I had achieved it and was looking for my validation and my pat on the head, he knocked it down and said, do it again. And I spent the entire night ah. in the dream doing this again and again and again until I got it straight that it was how I built it, how I put my, my loving state of being. Like I gave up the idea that if I was asked to do it a million times, which is like the healing now, if I was asked to do it a million times, I would still lovingly show up and do it consciously laying each brick one at a time in a loving manner, whether it got knocked down or not, because what I did was right, it was appropriate, and it was correct in energy. And that was a really big lesson early on. Mm. It had me thinking about that for years because, you know, you can get people that are very difficult that come in that are just very challenged or they have a lot of trauma and it's hard. You know, there's, there's challenges in this. And so you have mm -hmm. to soften to that and continually come back to 
the state of being of what you're really showing up for. Right. And I love that story because I feel really that, and even within myself, we're, we just are unconsciously rushing towards the the completion, right? Yeah. The, the, the product, the result. And a lot of us are, like you said, using the, um, <clears throat> we're like using the present as a means to an end. Or like you said, you said something about how we are like preconditioning the next moment. Mm-hmm. And so we're never really right. here in yeah. the now. We're, we're, we're just living in the mind. We're just, we're not present. And there are times when I've come awake and this is actually one of those moments. I feel like I just woke up a little bit more and I almost have this sense of like, who was controlling my body? Like who, how was I operating? It almost feels like literally I was asleep, but I was walking around and like using the computer and like using the phone and I was like operating, but I wasn't doing any of this from, it actually kind of scares me. (laughs) Like there are moments when I've become really (laughs) awake and I'm like, who was manning this body? Like who was that? Yeah. And I, I realized that it really is just this crazy conditioning. It's just it's, there's so much there. And even now, I, I mean, I think that's the human journey is really just continu- continuously unshedding these layers, but I just keep finding more and more. And there's, even after I've peeled one off, I'm like, well, there's another one. There's yeah. an, I'm still having to uncondition myself. And, um, but I don't want to make that a task, right? Where I'm like, oh, I need to uncondition more before I can I, there's just really what I'm learning right now. And that's totally fine. If you consider but, um, the journey never yeah, I don't. Ending then you can let go of that. Like pretend yeah. it'll never end. You'll never get there. Then yeah. you'll actually get there. <laughs> exactly. Well, you're, yeah. you arrive when you stop yeah. trying to arrive. Like you stop when you stop trying True. to go. Yes. And um, yeah, I think that we have a, a culture that's so obsessed with endedness and like completion. It's like when I do this, okay, over here. And then when that's done, uh, over here. You know, it's it's even like, even the way we operate just on a 24-hour basis. It's like, okay, after all this is done, then I can relax. It's like everything is trying to 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 get. And it's like yeah. this, no wonder we're so unhappy. This is like, you don't get to get anywhere for very long. It's like it restarts yeah. because it's it's a never-ending cycle. And so ah, I just, um, I really want people to walk away from this by realizing that there is there is nowhere really to be than now. And there is just what you need to, release in the now. It's like, that's it. What if you didn't release anything and you're just acquiring more love? If you actually are just bringing Mm. in more love because everyone's addicted to releasing to get to somewhere. And if you (sighs) bring in the love, the releasing, so to speak, happens automatically. But just like when we did that sort of mini meditation in the beginning, nothing was said per se. The energy you acquired. So I have this saying of, I've coined since I did, the, well, since the inception of my healing career, if you will, he who conserves the most energy wins. So wow. if you conserve the most energy, now your body's healthier, your spirit alignment in your body is greater, your radiation is stronger. Think about it, because dissonant cells and dissonant uh, spirit, if you will, is in lack. It's not in wholeness. So everyone's looking for wholeness. But mm-hmm. if you allow more in, and, and 
some of the difficulties that people have been traumatized or conditioned and they don't know how to allow. So that takes a bit of practice yeah. and conditioning and so on. But just to say, he who conserves the most energy wins. And when you do that, now you've got the ability to hold more light. And that's what the quantum healing meditations are mm-hmm. for. When you hold more light, you're, retel- mm-hmm. you're retraining your telomeres to hold more light. Kind of like the patches. We were talking about the patches and we're using these stem cell activation patches. And I'm really big on that. And the reason is because mm-hmm. they're building the telomer endings. They're healing the endings to receive more light. And you can take in more light and you can actually do more with that. So your body system is seeking not only harmony, but it's it's looking for the ability to kind of sink into the greater whole where there is abundance forever in anything. It just is always there. And we limit in the mind. Mind can't comprehend spirit. So there is no way to get the mind, which is a computer, to the spirit realm. It's impossible. So you give up trying and that's when it happens. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like there was something else that just unlocked for me because this this idea of like introducing or a, a, an acquisition of or like welcoming more love rather than getting rid of and releasing because I think that's what I've been obsessed with for so long is like I need to I need to rid myself of this conditioning. And I think a lot yeah. of people might come to you with their illnesses and say like get rid of this for me. And even in that statement, we're really perpetuating it and giving it more energy. I mean, what you resist persists, right? Yeah. And so even in this like this rhetoric about like, oh, I need to release this, I need to do that, that's again like being obsessed with this endedness. Like I need to get rid of this so that I can get over here. And this um this new paradigm of like really opening yourself up and acquiring more love and thinking in that way and like kind of increasing the amount of light that's in your body, that naturally it almost like it's it starves what needs to be released. And then it that happens. It's it that's passive more than active. And mm. I think that it seems like a lot of us in the healing space, we're kind of obsessed with this like active healing. Like I'm gonna intentionally drop this thing, but in doing so, I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm like energetically charging it. <laughs> so instead, really just invite in more love. And then that thing will just literally not be able to exist anymore. I think this is also really in alignment with what Joe Dispenza talks about, how when you when you introduce more love and light, now whatever was there, your your blindness or your ailment, it it's almost like it's in a it's not living with the right host anymore. Yeah. It's like it it no longer can live off of the energy of love because energy of love is not of dis-ease, it's of ease. And yeah. so this this dis-ease now is no longer in alignment with you. And I think that's what's so mind-blowing is that when when you raise the energetic frequency of your body, then anything that is not of that frequency, does this make sense? Is that what happens? It just, it cannot anymore live it in is, and through It you. is a truth. And the best that you can look at is how do I align with spirit? Now, people come for healing and we do release things because they don't know what's working on them. They don't know how they got to that space. Mm. So in some cases, in all cases, acquiring more love works, period. It's just a tenant across the board. But you will definitely have people that are very ill that need step by step with certain things because 
they've gotten themselves into a position or they've ended up in a position that requires that or requires nutritional assistance, different different unlocking and different sequences because the sequencing is all their nervous system can take. And that's what happens. So mm. there will always be a necessity to that because the degree of, you can know a lot until your karma from the past comes along and upends the apple cart slightly. And so I've seen that happen a lot. Mm. And you can get to a certain space, but there's more that you don't see that's working on you. But the basic premise is love sets the positioning for all things to begin to heal. And if we want to use the word healing here, it's really looking for that balance. And we're seeking an equilibrium, a balance. And things more easily go away when you're in more of a loving position. But 99% of people don't know how to keep the loving position. They don't know how to stay in the loving frequency without being moved. They are the tree that breaks or the, 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 you know, the flower that blows into the next field instead of staying in their lane. So they move positions and that change of position now has you going back to make up the difference. And so healing is a frequency position, but being in spirit is just seeking more and more lovingness. And that is a discovery. If you take away the discovery from people, they don't learn anything. They have to go through step-by-step discovery themselves, and they're called to that because that's their, their impetus to reach further, their desire to go out and get more. Because if everybody could do this, we'd all be enlightened. It would be over. This game would end. They say that, you know, we're coming to this space right now where everything is coming to the new earth and we're coming into this great space. Well, there's collective karma that needs to be cleaned up first. So there may be some bumps in the road like the hurricane. God bless the people that are now suffering and going through all that. However, you're not going to change some of the collective that's going to come down the pike. So you'd better be ready for that collective. And how do you be ready? I would say proactively cleaning up some of your karma if you can, and then also being willing, dedicating toward holding more loving space. And then eventually, as things Mm. even out, there'll be more and more people that are trained to do that. It becomes automatic instead of the opposite. It's It's a frequency thing. So when you override with more love, the energy does dissipate. But there are things that are anchored in that must be learned and ha- people have to go through them to some degree. So that just depends. I mean, it depends on the, the soul. Mm-hmm. The soul will learn in its own way. That's something that I've seen again and again on even the highest levels. Mm-hmm. Souls that are just very close to enlightenment because it gets more slippery the more subtle it becomes. Mm. Yeah, well, I was just about to say, my ego wants to ask, how do we stay in the loving frequency, <laughs> right? Because, you know, now it's just so funny, you know, ego will use anything to bolster yeah. itself. So even even this, right, ego can make a game of this, right? Yeah. Like, oh, okay, well, if that's the way to, right, st- once again, making enlightenment this destination, this place of completion. So it's like, oh, well, uh, do I just need to stay in a state loving frequency? Okay, how do I do that? It, it's almost like, 
I can hear the incessant nature. I mean, that's just the first thought that came up. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Well, let's, like, that's let's go back to the <laughs> what comment might before, which I don't think I'd answered totally about karma. There are various levels and layers of karma. So you have uh, lifetimes of karma. You have old past lifetimes of karma. You have lifetimes of cleanup. You have this lifetime of karma. You have karma of your thoughts. You have karma of the food you intake. Because if everything is frequency, everything you're going to do on the earth plane has karma even leading up to if you're just going to exist on blades of grass. Okay, So you've taken one life to sustain your own. That's karma. And that, how that gets cleaned up, let's say you were the perfect, idyllic student of love and you come to the end saying, I took nothing, I gave love, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you'd still have a karmic debt because you ate that blade of grass. That's truth. I'm, I'm not making it up, I promise you. And so you get grace at the end of the day to clean up that karma. And what we don't give enough deference to is the grace of what's really happening on our behalf and what's happening for us and around us. And so to just put your focus on more of that would be very helpful because just accepting the beauty around you and seeing that the light around you is working on your behalf, starting there. Everyone can do that. Everyone can begin to look and see the sweetness in the soul in front of you instead of the ego of the person. And when you meet the soul in somebody, now you're spending your efforts appropriately to connect spirit to spirit in whatever spirit is going to do through you at that moment for you. And then the differences get made up in grace. And grace is like when I told you about the tooth thing. I was given grace to take the pain away. But it was such a stark example, it had me really realize, whoa, my sight can be taken away in a split second, and it can be restored in a split second. My pain can be mm. taken away in a split second, and it can be restored in a split second. So really, when you really digest that, you, you aren't doing much here except for getting in the way. How do we get out of the way? Mm -hmm. I think that's a conscious thing that I use every day myself. How do I get out of the way? So when I'm doing my work, I'm trying to get out of the way. I'm, I'm stepping back from being in the middle of it. And I am aiming toward God. I get up and I'm aiming toward God. I'm aiming toward God in the middle of serving another. I'm aiming toward God in how I'm conducting myself throughout a day. Do we always make it? No. Do we always win? No. But we're seeking that endeavor. We want to just endeavor. That's where compassion comes in toward other people and the willingness to just be compassionate toward somebody's effort. So that's a big one. You know, you have to have compassion towards someone mm. else striving and trying to get there. Like the people you said come along that want to wake up. I want them to wake up. You want them to have the beauty of what you've come to know. But they can't see that before they can see that. So the only thing you can do is radiate for them mm. and you stay in your grace. That's the key. The rest mm. of it is just stuff and dharma, as we put it. <laughs> what you might do while you're visiting. Mm. Oh, 
my gosh. Winifred, I feel like this could be like a two-day long episode. <laughs> I just want to keep going. <laughs> um, no, don't. Are you kidding? No, we have so many more questions. We're going to have to have you back on because I have so many more. Um, but to kind of wrap this up, we always have one final question for our guests. And I'm curious to know how you're going to answer this because I just feel like you maybe don't have these lessons. But, you know, our podcast is obviously called Spiraling Higher. And we've been talking about how we cycle through these lessons. And so do you have a common theme of a lesson that you've had to spiral through in your life that is kind of a repeated theme? Yeah, I. that's a complicated answer. I'm going to try and simplify this. <laughs> Ever since I was a kid, I was always contemplating. So I was sort of built for this sort of stuff, if you will, and I like it. A lot of people get frustrated with it, and I like to embrace it. I think it's fun. And I like to see the inside on the other side that delights me. So I'm nerdy in that way. Mm. I like to go into these things and, and see the <laughs> spiritual insight and hold space for others to do that too. But yeah, one of the things that really has uh, challenged me is the lack of compassion in others. And for them to mm. be short-sighted and seeing, in other words, they have to see others suffer before they change. That's been a big one for me that I've worked with more, more so lately. Um, mm. and, and I've gotten to witness that throughout time. So again, stepping back, eyes on your own plate, going back to that loving space and feeling and praying that we don't have to see more suffering before we can experience the love. That's, that's really what I'm working on. And in, even in a microcosm within me, right? So I have to take 100% responsibility all day long. Am I perfect in it? No. But do I correct? Yes. Do I try harder? Yes. And trying harder is an elusive way of putting it. How quickly you correct is the key. So always mm. working toward that loving space, being patient, stepping back. You know, go back to like when you were a kid, when we talked about in the beginning, I live in the spirit world. Speak to the spirit world. They're always there. They're really there to help, honestly. So delight in that. Bring that back in. Don't take yourself or other people so seriously. That's something that I can do if I get into the 3D world too much. So step back. Mm. You know, I'm very science oriented. I'm very serious about the work that I do because people's lives are on the line. And the one thing I don't like is when people don't appreciate it. It's like being, let me put it this way, it's like being an ER doctor. And somebody comes into the ER and says, when you're in the middle of helping somebody, he says, can you prove that you're really an ER doctor? It's like, <laughs> excuse me, like right now, really? Are you joking? Like this person's dying <laughs> over here and you want a proof that uh, it's, it's silly, right? I mean, right. it's kind of dumb. So yeah, we need to just come back to a really sweet space of honoring each other, loving each other, seeing the gifts mm. in one another. And, and I think that really starts with seeing the gift in ourselves because no one could do that until you recognized it within absolutely. your own self. Mm. And so I'm so yes, glad you did. Well, I, oh. it, it's, the bigger game is not to let it get trained away from you. It is there. It was there in the beginning. To not let others dim that or, mm, let's say, challenge that 
so that then you get tied up in having to explain that or, you know, prove that or be, just be, just be. Oh, jolly mm. and be is my, is my just motto. Just be. <laughs> I know. I love when you say that to me at the end of every call. Go jolly and be. Thank you. <laughs> I love an that. honor to be with you guys today. You're oh awesome. Oh my gosh. The honor is all ours. Honestly, this was, I can already tell Sam's energy is definitely shifted. I feel like I'm floating right now. Well, it's that yeah. light. You know, when you speak truth or you're, again, you're aiming at grace, you're aiming at truth, the energies line up and the people listening will get the radiation of that. It'll line up. It'll happen for for folks. So it becomes a, I guess in this case, it would be food for thought to a degree, but it's also the love. And, you know, we're communing mm. in love, really. So I'm honored. Thank you for mm. letting me commune with you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Thank you for communing with us. Yeah, I definitely acquired more love through this conversation. So Me too. Thank you. Wow. Go heal. Go forth and heal. (laughs) Go jolly and go heal. Um, We'll have everything linked in the show notes. I know you have an app that's coming out. Um, You've got some courses as well, which I want to sign up. I don't even know what you're teaching, but I'm like, (laughs) I will be there. Um, And um, you've got a radio show as well. Um, Do you want to chat about that really quickly? Making Life Brighter has been my dedication for about a year and a half. I contemplated how I could assist the world. Like, what, what would I do that would help the world? So a year and a half later, it finally landed on me that making life brighter would be my theme. And so I've had a show on Mm. Voice America for many years, and it's syndicated across the board. And there we have experts in their field. And right now we're focusing on a new um, beginning, which is preparing the planet for the golden age. So whatever is sustainable, whatever is um, assistant to people for that as we move into the next spacing. And... Hopefully there's solutions within that for folks to be able to prepare as we move along through this timeline, if you will. Mm. So uh, the app will be coming out later October and there it'll kind of have all the information of courses and other things. But Making Life Brighter is where people can go to and and that's kind of my my, uh, home space, if you will. And of course I have the association, um, the Global Association of Medical Intuitives, but covid COVID put a dent in my momentum for that. And I've had so many cases, uh, I can't really say cases. I've had so many people come along to help them. I have little time to do some of the other things that I really am now next segueing to do. So I'm beginning to change that mm-hmm. because there was a lot of need and that need has mm. taken up my time. So I am moving into that more so, and that'll be the next steps, the next endeavors. Mm, I love that. Well, I can't wait for everyone to check that out. I will be checking that out too. And um, thank you again for coming mm-hmm. on and please come back. <laughs> yeah. Such a gift to be in your energy. Thank you thank so you, much. Sam, Winifred. Thank, thank you. you. You guys rock and uh, go jolly. <laughs> go jolly. Go jolly and be. Thank you so much for listening to this honest conversation. We hope it brought you peace, clarity, and a little bit further along your spiritual journey. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left us a five-star rating and review so we can bring you more conscious conversations, spiritual topics, and guests. Here's to spiraling higher.